welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. sort of story. I could stand here today and talk to you story after story of what God is doing. You've got your own story here in Airborne. This stuff that you're seeing every day, that is just the work of God. On the other side of the coin, there are challenges too, aren't there? For example, um, you know, secular organisations and not-for-profits globally, when it comes to sourcing volunteers, are 38% down globally on getting volunteers to come and work, Red Cross and places like this. People are not signing up to help and serve. People are uh, uh, dropping out of the race and people are making strange decisions and strange things are going on in some people's lives. I've just come back from Australia and New Zealand and we were particularly hanging out with our family in New Zealand and I caught up with one of our relatives who'd been involved in church for a long, long time. But... He, he's not any longer. We were having <coughs> coffee together and this is what he said to me. He said, I don't go to church anymore. I'm tired of it. Now you've got to remember, he was employed by a church for over 40 years. He ran a church for 40 years. I don't go to church anymore. When I go to church anywhere, I get physically sick. And I looked at him and said, you must be kidding. You get physically sick. Yeah, I can't go anywhere. In fact, and this is the line that caught me, he said, in fact, I hate church. And I sat there a little bit shocked and something popped out of my mouth and, and it was, I think it was a God thing because I could never think this up. And I looked at him and I said, you need to learn to love what God loves. His face went quite ashen because that means a lot, doesn't it? You need to learn to love what God loves. I left that meeting with him and I took a bit of time to study that idea. Now the Bible talks a lot of things about what God loves. And there's, that's by intonation. There's, a, there's an idea there that God loves things. But there's only three places in the New Testament that categorically declare what God loves. And he's, that my brother-in-law, he's a deconstructionist. He's pulling things down rather than building things up. He hates church because he's pulling it down. And I wanna help you with this. It is very easy to pull something down. It is much harder to build something up. If you go to a park or a place around the city, you will never see monuments erected to critics. You will see monuments erected to builders. But I don't know what these people are thinking when they start to deconstruct or pull apart what God loves. I wanna talk to you today about the three things God loves. And they're very, very, very simple. You'll probably go, oh, well, of course it is. But when I ask people what they are, they often don't know, but they're very simple. And I hope that these simple points will help you grasp how we need to lean in to what God loves. Now, the three things I'm about to talk to you about are the things that are being deconstructed by some people on blogs, on Facebook, on all these things where they can hide away and say what they like and pull down what God is building. But today we need to understand what God loves. We lean into, we resource. We build with Him. Here's the first thing God loves. For God so loved the world. An easy one, you might say. 
But here's what's interesting about this one. Now the world is the word, the word is cosmos. And the word cosmos includes people and system. So there's a system that is integrated into how humanity operates. It's just not a person. It's about the system they're involved in. God loves and reaches out to the system that people are caught up in. See, the only opportunity people have to be free from the system is to know the gospel, the good news. Maybe you're here for the first time or you're finding your way back to God. It's an Easter time. Let me tell you what the gospel is or the good news because the good news has nothing to do with you and me, but it has everything to do with what Jesus did. You see, the good news is this. I am never worthy enough for God, but He did it all and all I have to do is accept what He did, what Jesus did, and that's the good news because every other major religion teaches you've got to earn the right to be good enough for God. Christianity says He was good enough for God. Just receive Him into your life. That must be good news. Because if you've walked in here today and said, boy, if I go to church, there's a good chance the roof will fall in, then you've missed out on the point and understanding of what the gospel actually is. It's good news because I can't be ever good enough. I just come and receive what He's done. I receive Jesus into my life. It changes everything. I have no merit. I have no goodness. I just come and say, thank you, Jesus. This is good news. And before you leave this place tonight, I want to, today I want to give you opportunity to engage in that good news, to receive that good news. For God so loved the world. There's a lot of people saying today, well, we need pastor to have a church where it's more about us, where we can come and, you know, change the fabric of what we're doing and have more intimate time around the Word and the deeper things of God's Word and maybe do communion together without the people who are outside of church coming in. Why is it all about the people outside of church? Why is the focus so much on the world? Well, it's easy for God so loved the world. Why would we not be trying to reach what God loves? For God, the world is not just a thing that exists. It's something He's engaged in. Right now, as we sit in this place, the Holy Spirit is working in homes all through America, speaking to people, nudging people, moving people towards the gospel. As we sit here, why would we not love and lean in to what God loves? Why would we close the doors? You know, I've got people who say, I love what you've done here, the, these amazing screens you have, which brighten up the place because we've blacked it all out. Yeah, we've blacked it all out. It looks like a nightclub now. <laughs> got smoke and stuff going on. That's the world. Well, guess what? That's what the world understands. That's why we do it. God loves the world. Let's make sure we love them too. Let's make sure we give the world opportunity to experience what all of us have experienced, that we don't deconstruct that idea and pull it apart and start to just become so self-centred, it's about me. If God was self-centred, there would have never have been a Jesus. He would never have come to our, our world to help us engage in a relationship with God. It wouldn't have happened because it would have all been about God. And I'm afraid to say that many churches go down that road where it's almost impossible to get into the church if you aren't a Christian of some sort. So we welcome you here today. If you're here for the first time or maybe visited a few times and you understand I'm not a Christian yet, 
I'm sort of what he's talking about. Well, welcome to the house of God. For God so loved the world. And guess what? We will too. Now, we're not gonna be of the world. We're not gonna be like the world. We're not gonna engage in what the world does, but he loves what the world is and we will reach the world. I love that about God's nature. We must lean in. Because I was brought up, you know, in the days where you had to hate the world. If you didn't hate the world, something was wrong with you. You had, to, you had to really dislike the world and everybody out there was sort of strange and we were the only right ones. I remember when I first became a Christian in 1974, when I was two, uh, work out the numbers, and, um, <clears throat> and our, our pastor said to us, you must never go to the movies because there's demons in the movies who accept your praise. And I was a young raw Christian, I thought I'd better go to the movies to see one of these things. Because I haven't seen one of these. So I went down to the movies and had a look and there was nothing there. And I thought, what is these people talking about here? God so loved the world, the system and the people. Let us engage in that, not be frightened of it, but let's not become part of it. But let's reach out to what He loves. Bring them in, welcome them in. And anybody from that understanding is so welcome in the house of God. Here's, that's the first one. The second one is easy, isn't it? Jesus loved his church and gave his life for, his, for the church. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, that one is about what we're doing here today. But it's amazing how many people dislike the church today. Now, I don't know how a Christian who's been engaged in church life can start to get such a dislike for what God loves. You are now working against the power of God and the love of God, which is to love his church. Now, the church can make some mistakes and get it wrong. People can get it wrong. But the idea of what the church is, is that God loves it and has given His Son for it. And if He loves it, I'm going to love it. I will not be the person who stands up and criticises and points the finger and writes blogs about stuff and, and hides away in a cellar somewhere, dark cellar, writing what I like about anything because I don't like it. If God loves it, I love it. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it gives us some sort of pictures of what the church is like. It talks about the church as a house. The church is a bride. It talks about the church as the body and the church as the family. If you look at all those four components, often when the church is representing itself in one of those ways, there can be conflicts that we experience. For example, when Jesus used the word church he only used it twice, one in Matthew 16. And in Matthew 16, he said this, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The words came out, they were powerful, probably bowled the disciples over because such a powerful word. And that is called the macro view. The church will never, ever lose control of what's going on. Never has in 2000 years, it won't now. Everything that's gone on in the history of the world has been a blip in the road to the church. We've carried on, we will pursue, it will get bigger, it will get greater. That's the nature of what Jesus does. I've got no concerns about that. But in Matthew 18, the micro view of the church is there. And it, and it says there, when you have an issue with your brother or sister, go to them face to face. And if that doesn't work out, Take a witness with you. If that doesn't work out, talk to the leaders in the church. So here's what Jesus is saying. The macro view, nothing will hinder the church. The micro view, on the smaller level, you'll always be arguing about something because we're family. The family, you know, when I go to my family in New Zealand, I'm the black sheep of the family. 
because I never conformed to anything they wanted. I left New Zealand as soon as I could, went to Australia and, and just doing different things. And oh, here comes Uncle Scott, the black sheep of the family. He's the bad one in the family because he's doing all this stuff and they're still stuck in New Zealand. How would you like to live there? That's a joke. People do live there. They're very sad, depressed, but they live there in New Zealand. Anyway, I won't go do more than that. You know, and family, that's family. When you get with family, that's what it's like. But then we are the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the beauty and the glory of the house. I want to tell you right now, that's one of the things, you know, I was saying to the, to, the, to the folks yesterday that sometimes we talk about the church being, oh, it's all screwed up and it's a mess. Read the book of Corinthians. First Corinthians, there's a church that does everything you should never do at the same time. They're taking each other to law courts. They're getting drunk at communion. They, some of them don't believe in the resurrection. They've got marriage problems. They've got moral problems. They've got every problem going on. You think the church today in this modern world is a problem? Read the book of Corinthians. We are holy and pure compared to that lot. Church is doing okay. We are the bride of Christ. And we will come on that day in all the splendour that we have. But we are also, as it says, we are the body of Christ. Now a body is a whole lot of systems. If you go to the doctor, the doctor will check your systems, the blood system, the muscle system, the systems that you have, and they will tell you what's wrong with the system. Sometimes the church has systems that don't work properly and people get upset, just as we have family issues and we have to solve the conflict, just as sometimes we're not as well behaved as we should be. That's called church, but I'll help you with this. Jesus loves it because he loves it I'm going to love it. I will not be the person that will speak ill of what he loves. Are you keeping up with me? But then he says, you're a house. The church is a house. Well, a house has structure and form. A house has to be designed by an architect. It has to have good foundations. It has to go into the ground so it will stand. It has to be built right. So sometimes our structures don't work as well as they could because the house isn't doing what it should do. Other times it's the body, the system that's not. Friends, there's a whole multiplicity of things that can distract you from the fact that Jesus loves the church and we ought to too. I'm going to help you with this. The next time somebody tries to criticise the church, put your hand up and say, you need to learn to love what God loves. That's what I do. And every time I do that, there's a response where they have to go and work that out. Why would I be the one who joined the crowd that find it so easy to criticise what Jesus loves? Jesus loves the house. Jesus loves the church. I'm for that. I'm going to defend that. I'm not going to be a critic of that. I will join that. Does that make sense? Learn to love what God loves. Here's the third one. Now, let me just walk through this. The first one, the God so loved the world, is the, is the why. That's what it's all about, reaching the lost. The second one, God loves his church, is the what. The church is reaching the world. That's what we do. And that's why you're sitting here today. That's what Easter is all about. Let's celebrate with the world what Jesus has done. But how do we do this? Well, there's the third one that is mentioned in the New Testament is this one. God loves a cheerful giver. 
There's only three, those three. You see, the cheerful giving is the how to build the what which reaches the why. It all works together. It's actually quite brilliant when you think about it, but it's the three things that are being deconstructed the most. You go online today and talk about giving and finances. People are just so critical about that stuff right now. You can say what you like. You can get 100,000 hits against giving before you get one that supports giving. But let me help you with this. God loves a cheerful giver. It's not just a good idea to him. It's not just a thought. He loves a cheerful giver. Some people are cheerful that they don't give and some people are giving, but they're not very cheerful. We should be excited about the possibility through our moment to give that we are supporting the what that reaches the why. Our resource builds a platform, as I heard Greg say brilliantly today, that reaches out to a community that sets it up for the next generation and the next generation. As you have sowed into this place financially, this now is an edifice that can be used by God for the next two or 300 years. This is a place where your great-great-grandchildren can come because some of us paid a cost today for that to happen. Because this is the how of building the what that reaches the why. And all of them, God doesn't say is a good idea. The Bible doesn't say is engage if you want to. The Bible doesn't say it's optional. I've heard people say to me, well, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. Really? Well, Jesus died for the church and loves the church. Why would you not be in the church? Oh, I get so offended. Oh, somebody says this or does this. Yeah, that's called the family, the body, the house, and the bride. That's going to happen. Mature Christians rise up and say, I will lean in to what God loves. I will join with what He's doing. I will support what He loves. I will engage in what He loves. And cheerful giving is interesting because the New Testament talks of three ways we give. I don't wanna harp on on this, but it's part of what he loves, so I'm gonna say it. The first one is what we call the tithe, which is 10% of our income. And we tithe uh, into the house. It's sort of like the beginning point of what we do. It's the first part of recognising, some call it the first fruits. It's the first part of recognising that God has given us so much, let's start somewhere. And it's our first fruits. And we tithe. The second part is called offering, just giving something above your tithe. And by the way, that's called generosity. Generosity is what you do after the tithe. It's not before the tithe. It's not generous to tithe. That's a mandatory thing we do because the Scripture works that way. That's God's economic engine. Does that make sense? So we tithe and then we, and then we do sacrificial giving. Now I know that you've been fasting for the last 40 days. Is that correct? You have been sacrificing some things like, like cakes and coffee. Well, you're not sacrificing much when it comes to coffee in this country, I'm sorry to say. But Starbucks is basically flavoured milk. I don't mean to be rude. I got my first decent cup of coffee today from the uh, house here that does good coffee called a flat white. And uh, most people don't even know what that is. But I got one today, it was lovely, very good. Um, so you're sacrificing coffee. Well, that doesn't mean a lot. And you are sacrificing some spaghetti and meatballs. I don't know what you're sacrificing. Maybe you should sacrifice some time on Netflix. I don't know, but you're sacrificing. And I, I know it's doing some of you good because sometimes when you sacrifice things, 
that you take for granted, it does you good to realise how much it was harming you or not helping you or affecting you. Too much sugar, too much this, too much that. And so we sacrifice. Giving is no different. It is tithing, offering and sacrifice. Though sacrificial giving. And guess what the Bible says about that? God loves that stuff. He loves a cheerful giver. Never ever should you sit back and say, well, is this sort of a church thing we do here? Is this something we have to do? Is this like a club? Oh no, this is actually where we give to build the what and reach the why. It's through our finances. And God loves them all. There's no more. There's just those three. All of those three are interconnected. All of those three feed each other and help each other. You can't actually have a direct line of mission without those three being in place. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved this church that He gave Jesus to rescue what this house is today. And God loves a cheerful giver. I want to encourage you folks today to make the decision as you leave this place. I'm leaning into what God loves. I'm gonna lean into what God loves. Maybe you've had a few doubts about things and concerns, or maybe you're hanging around with a few people with doubts about things and things like this. Learn to understand this, or please understand this. I need to learn to love what God loves. Why would I fight what God loves? Why would I resist what God loves? Just put the hand up and say, I'm learning to love what God loves. Loves. 